Amen. You can be seated. Well, I told you a few weeks ago, for the last few weeks, that one of the goals that we've had in entering into this room is to make it a celebration and to celebrate with baptism, celebrating that God has not just been faithful to us who have been walking with him over a number of years, but God is faithful in bringing people to himself. And today we have, we have two guys that are going to come up in front of us and we're going to celebrate with them uh, the celebration of what Christ has done in their lives, how the Spirit of God has really and truly drawn them to himself. And I want to say a little bit about baptism. Uh, I think I've told you before, we have a number of people that are in line to be baptized over the next few weeks. We had uh, two because of sickness and, and complicated things. We've had um, two that weren't able to join us this morning that will be baptized soon. Uh, a handful more that are going to be baptized this fall. And so let me say a word about what that means and, and why we do this thing called baptism. Uh, the two men that come up here, Daniel and Mason, this morning, they are not becoming Christians they're not being saved in the waters of baptism. They are celebrating what Christ has already done in drawing them. It's an important, it's a beautiful biblical symbol. And it's a picture that is based in the covenant relationship that, he, that we have, that God has made with us. And so when, when a person comes to be baptized, it is a celebration of an outward an outward call and an outward declaration of what God has already done in transforming a life to himself. And so I would invite you, as these guys come up, to join me in prayer for them afterwards, to celebrate with them and their families after the service, come up and greet them. But also, if, if you find yourself questioning, where is my status in eternity before a holy God? Now is the time to ask those questions seeing these two men celebrate what God has done in their life today. But also, if you know you have security in Christ, but have never come before the church to publicly declare the beauty of what he has done for you and in you, then I'd invite you, over the next couple months, we're going to do a couple more of these baptism services. I'd invite you to come and talk to me afterwards, because we want to continue to fill this pool with water and fill this pool with people so that we can celebrate with you. So I'm going to ask Daniel and Mason if you guys would join me up here on stage. And first on the list, um, these, these guys both are, are fairly new to this church. Um, many of you may not have met them, but first is Daniel Alt. I'm going to have you go ahead and get in there. Daniel and his wife Rochelle have been um, attending fellowship with us for a few months now, and um, they have... Uh, they have quickly become a part of a life group, a part of the life of the church, because God was moving in them to connect them to Christian community, and they found a home here at Fellowship Quickly, and we celebrate that. But before that, a few years ago, uh, Daniel was living in Texas and um, searching and, and questioning his priorities in life, his view of, of the world, and his view of his life in particular. And in that, there is, it's so clear in listening to Daniel's story that this was not Daniel's effort in searching out Christ, but Christ's effort in finding Daniel. And in a church in, in Fort Worth, Texas, a few years ago, he gave his life to Christ, and he was changed and transformed. And then he married Rochelle. He moved to the bustling metropolis of Cohutta, Georgia, um, left the Metroplex for another Metroplex, and, um, and has become a part of, uh, of our community here, um, like I said, joined the life group, and we are so, so thankful for Daniel and Rochelle and their family being a part of our, our family here. So I'm going to ask you two questions, Daniel. First, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and yes. died to save people from their sins? Absolutely, yes. Amen. And in this act of baptism, are you reaffirming your commitment to follow him for the rest of your life? Unquestionably, yes. Amen. Then on the basis of that con confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
And this is Mason Tanner. Mason also is fairly new to our uh, family here at Fellowship. And uh, Mason and his wife Lane and their daughter Ella have been, uh, have been here for a little over a year or so and are members. And um, Mason has quickly engaged in men's discipleship through Every Man a Warrior. And uh, we have watched Mason grow and grow tremendously. And we've watched um, the, the faithfulness God has shown to his family. I, again, I'll say, it's an amazing story of what happens when uh, a man uh, is searching through life and thinking through what his priorities are, how to live his life. And, and Mason will tell you, as he told me, that many of his ideas and many of his searching left him flat, and he didn't find the right answers and solutions to his questions. And he sought science and reason in lots of different directions to find hope, peace, and meaning in his life. And all the time, the Spirit of God drew him. And the Spirit of God drew his family together to where he and and Lane have now joined together in a confession with Christ, a desire to grow rapidly. Their story of getting here was such a cool story and that they were actually at a birthday party. And at a birthday party, they heard a man in our church pray, and they said, that, that's, that's what we're looking for. And they were already searching and figuring out what a life with Christ was like, but were looking to engage in a local church, and through the prayers of a man in our church, they said, this, what, wherever that guy goes, they must really know Christ there and know the gospel, and we celebrate that. And Mason, we are so grateful that you're here, part of our family We're so grateful. Many of you have seen him up on stage um, leading us in worship. He's quickly engaged in that ministry. So Mason, I'm going to ask you the same questions. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died to save people from their sin? Yes. And are you here in in baptism reaffirming your commitment to follow him with your life? Yes. Amen. Then on the basis of that confession, I baptize you in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Get out now. Amen. What a celebration to celebrate lives that are transformed. Amen. Uh, I, I invite you, you can stand or stay seated during this, and this is going to be a new song um, that I, uh, I actually wrote this along with a couple other worship leaders um, here in town. And it's, uh, it's the heart that I have for this Sunday, that God would start a new thing in some heart this morning, uh, maybe as a result of seeing uh, these guys being baptized and their testimonies, or, or through what's to come in the sermon, I, I don't know, maybe an interaction with somebody here, but that God would start something new. Such a time as this, I know you have me right where you place me. Your wisdom so infinite, your hand will guide me, never forsake me. God, I believe I'm right where you want me to be. So start something here, start something now. Start in my heart, filled with your power. Drive me a course and carry me through. Lord, won't you start with me and start something
Whatever it costs me, wherever you're leading, God, I'm going. If you're going with me, whatever it costs me, wherever you're leading, God, I'm going. If you're going with me, whatever it costs me, wherever you're leading, God, I'm going. If you're going with me, whatever it costs me, wherever you're leading, God, I'm going with you. So start something here, start something now, start in my heart, fill with your power, charge. Bible Church. Hallelujah. And we give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And we say with the psalmist in Psalms 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Lord, it is our privilege and joy to praise you this morning in our newly remodeled sanctuary. Thank you, Lord, for all the wisdom, finances, and resources that were provided to rebuild our sanctuary. Thank you for all of the competent professionals, skilled laborers, and others who helped with the remodeling. Thank you for the great wisdom, direction, patience, and strength you blessed our pastors, elders, and other leaders with during this renovation. Bless the spouses and families of our leaders. Help us to honor them as they sacrifice so much for us. You are the Lord God Almighty, the great I Am. You are our refuge and our strength. You are the chief cornerstone. And we choose to trust in you, the living God. I decree and declare the gates of hell will not prevail against our church, our families, and all of our loved ones. You are the God that goes with us. And you will never leave us nor forsake us. I pray for all those this morning that are feeling broken, those feeling weak, those that are shut in, those feeling misunderstood. Lord, your word in Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For those feeling anxious, may we all remember your word in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Why? Because the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, today we pray for the salvation and deliverance of our loved ones. Lord, they need a new heart, the kind of heart only you can give, Father. For your word tells us the human heart is wicked and sick, needing to be changed. Please replace their hearts of stone with a believing heart so they can be God-willed, God-led, and accept you as their Lord and Savior 
right now, today, Father God. Dearest Jesus, you taught us that those who mourn shall be comforted. May those grieving know your grace is sufficient. For your power is made perfect in weakness. This day, this hour, moment by moment, month by month, and year by year. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, empower Pastor Tim today to boldly proclaim the truth of your word. Help him not to grow weary in well-doing, Lord, and not to fall away. Provide grace upon grace for our pastor. We thank you, Lord, in advance what you will do in and through him today, Lord, and always. Preserve his family time. Cover his home and their financial needs. God, you're so good. Sanctuary is just so beautiful. I'm just overwhelmed by your beauty and grace and all of the friends and loved ones who have come this morning. We just thank you, Lord. And at this present time, in this season of uncertainty, Lord, we know that you are a God who knows the beginning and the end. You are a God who was, who is, and who will ever be. We bless your holy name. We glorify your name, and we thank you for being a great prayer-hearing, prayer-answering, covenant-keeping, miracle-working God. In the mighty name of King Jesus, amen and amen. 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 Thank you, Miss Myra. Now, for the first time in a long time, I'm going to actually dismiss the kids to their time of worship upstairs. So that's preschool through the fifth grade. Uh, you probably checked them in in the lobby on your way in. If you haven't, you can go out there in the lobby with them and make sure they get checked in. But um, if they're checked in, you can just send them all out. We are so excited to be back to this part of our service um, because, honestly, we want our kids in here. We want our kids in here worshiping with us. We want to be training families to worship together, and we want the kids to be singing with the adults. Uh, if you choose to keep your kid in here throughout the service, they're more than welcome. But we also want to be intentional in providing age-appropriate opportunities for them to be gathered with their peers and to have lessons that focus um, specifically at their age level. So tonight is going to be another kind of kickoff. We're kicking off worship in this building this morning, but then tonight we'll be kicking off our uh, kids and youth ministry as we start the school year back. We have the back-to-school splash tonight. And what that means is that here on our property in the parking lot, we have a gathering for um, kids and for youth and for their families, and we've got the times staggered between the different uh, water slides and, and all of those sort of things, but we want you to be here. We want you to bring your family. We'll have dinner provided for you, and uh, we want you to just celebrate. Get to know some other families in the church, and again, if you don't have kids or youth that are involved in either of those ministries still come and, and just interact with other families in the church, get to know more people. We desperately want to be creating community here as a church, and we want to be building relationships across generations. The church is stronger that way when it's not just everybody hanging out with people from their own generation, and so you're all welcome. We'd love to see you tonight. Uh, and then as we get into the fall, you're going to see more and more about uh, fall initiatives starting up with Sunday Night Youth, Sunday Night Kids Ministry, uh, Life Groups. We have a um, series uh, coming up on Sunday nights focusing on financial um, stewardship and, and just how to manage your money because we don't just want to be a church that asks for your money. We want to be a church that helps people walk through how to wisely manage money and how to, um, how to be faithful to what God is giving to us in those resources. So all of those sort of things are coming up on Sunday nights. 
Next Sunday night, though, is our congregational meeting, and it, we do this twice a year, and if you're not a member and you think congregational meetings are boring because you've never been to one of ours, this is a little bit different, and you're welcome, even if you're not a member, if you're a visitor for the first time and want to join us next week, you are more than welcome to be there. There will be ice cream, and you can have ice cream, and you can listen to ministry reports. We'll give a financial report. We'll give different reports from youth ministry, kids ministry, worship ministry. Uh, we'll tell a lot more of the story of what happened in here and how we got from, from November to here and how that all shakes out financially and, and all of those things. Uh, many of you know that we've, we've uh, come to you before and we've presented to you some concern about our overall finances of the church, but then at the same time, while we are having concerns about giving and budget and all of those issues, God, God is able to provide for us an, an, a beautiful new facility to worship in. And so if you want to know more about those details, how the church is doing financially, what the latest is, how, how all of the finances of this project shook out, um, we'd love for you to join us next Sunday night and we will have some really um, some more in-depth conversation about that sort of stuff. Uh, but for now, we'll go into our time of the Word, and we'll continue to focus on the reasons that we gather together and why we gather together. William McRaven is a former Navy SEAL and a commander of the U.S. Special Force Command. He tells a story about his SEAL training what they call BUDS, Basic Underwater Demolition SEAL Training. And in his time in BUDS, there was a particular week that they call in the training program Hell Week. Because nine weeks in, what the goal of the trainers is, is to get as many people to quit and to back out of the training as possible. And at this moment of intensity, they took them to an area, of, uh, an area called the Tijuana Sloughs, between San Diego and Tijuana, a muddy, swampy patch of terrain that, that is meant for training, for in-depth, um, for those SEALs that are going to engage in more difficult missions. So as they go to the mudflats there in Tio, uh, between Tijuana and San Diego, their unit does something that is against the rules. And this egregious violation of the rules leads to a special period of punishment for this group of men. And they are sent straight into the mud. And they're told, in late in the evening, the middle of the night, cold weather, cold mud, as the temperature is reaching freezing temperatures, they're told, march through that mud. And so they do. They go, one man after another in a line, marching through the mud to the point as they seek deeper and deeper and deeper to where nothing is visible of any of these men but their heads. And all you can hear is the, the moaning of the struggle as they fight with their whole bodies through the mud, barely able to move their appendages, barely able to, uh, to obey the command given by the training officers. And here's the other thing. The whole time, the training officers are trying to get them to quit, encouraging them to quit. In fact, they say, if five of you guys quit, everybody gets out. We're just trying to get five guys to quit. And once five people quit, then everybody gets out of the mud. So then you could have this temptation of being like, boy, I really hope those other guys quit because I want to get out of the mud. I don't want to be the one to quit. And William McRaven tells this story of marching through the mud hearing nothing but the moans of, of the people on his team and the shouts of the trainers trying to encourage them to quit. And all of a sudden comes this simple song of one man, off-key, terribly, singing. And singing just a simple song, recognizable to the others, and then one voice becomes two voices, and two voices becomes three voices, and all of a sudden, there is a communal aspect of singing a song, trudging through the mud, that enables this group of men who are neck down in mud, in freezing temperatures, and they are able to power through, to push through, because one guy started a song that created a song for them to sing as a group together, and by the end of it, they were stronger, they were together, and they all walked out of that mud, able to continue in the training. And that story is a powerful story because it tells us some things that we already kind of know. We kind of know that singing is a good thing, that singing is something that 
unites people. There's all sorts of studies about this, and you can read the stories that, of different studies that have been done that shows that, that children in a school that sing together do better socially and feel more connected within their classrooms and within their school. We, we know this because we experience it. You know there's something special about joining together with a group of people and singing, even if it's something simple as a birthday party. Singing happy birthday as a group together encourages not just the person whose birthday it is, but it's a, it's a group activity. It is something to do together. Singing bonds people together. These are some of the research uh, conclusions from studies about singing. Number one, singing creates a sense of belonging and connection to people. This is true of a study with 1,100 school children and a study of almost 400 adults saying that adults who sing together feel a greater level of bonding and connection to the adults with whom they sing after singing. But also, like the guys experienced in the mud, Singing actually increases your ability to tolerate pain. That studies have actually shown this, that the release of endorphins as you are singing, or particularly singing collectively with a group of people, allows you to endure the pain that you are experiencing at a greater level. That's pretty cool. But there's other benefits of singing. Singing has been found from research to relieve stress, to strengthen the immune system, especially strengthen the lungs, Singing helps us with grief, improves mental health, guards against memory loss, and improves speaking ability for those who are facing speech challenges. All of these research accounts of what singing, and in particular communal singing, can do to benefit us. And so, if you haven't figured it out today, we're talking about singing. And when we gather, basically a third of our time in this room is spent with music, singing, worshiping together. And you think, well, why do we do that? Why do we take so much time? If God's word is the center, that makes sense. We should be talking to God in prayer. That makes sense. Why is there so much time to where we do four or five songs every single Sunday that that becomes such an important part of what we do together? I have a burden for this week to convince you of a couple of things Number one, singing is a vital and essential part of our relationship with God, our vertical relationship with the King and Creator. And in fact, when I opened the service today, it wasn't by accident that we open up to Psalm 136 and we proclaim, His love endures forever. But isn't it, isn't it so much cooler, that's not singing, that's just speaking, but isn't it so much cooler when I look at you guys and I say, okay, I just said his love endures forever like five times by myself, now you guys say it together. It creates a connection point. So worshiping God vertically is an essential of what we must do when we gather. But there's another aspect of why we sing. And this is one that is easily forgotten and easily neglected. We don't just sing in worship and praise for our vertical relationship with God. We also worship God in singing for the encouragement of our horizontal relationships. It's a very clear biblical scriptural idea that we sing to worship God vertically and we sing to encourage others horizontally. We'll focus our time this morning in Ephesians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 15 to give some context, but our focus is really Ephesians 5, 19 and 20. But we'll start with Ephesians 5, verse 15. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, so let's do some basics of Bible reading here. As we see this, we know we're about to engage in an intensely practical passage of Scripture. Paul has literally just given us a heads up of look carefully, that means listen carefully, pay attention to what I'm about to say, and apply it to the way you live your life. When Scripture says, when Scripture talks about this imagery of walking, that's just life. So what the Scriptures are telling us, look carefully how you live. It's not talking literal instructions for how to put one foot in front of the other. It's, he's talking about literal instructions for how we live, survive, and thrive in the life that God has given us. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 16, 
making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, we, we have conversations with, with each other all the time about how evil our days are. And here's a great reminder that in the first century A.D., uh, Paul wrote a letter to this church in the city of Ephesus, which was uh, famous, well-known for idol worship at the temple of Artemis. And as this culture in Ephesus is worshiping a false god, Paul is saying, the days are evil in Ephesus in the first century. And so it need not surprise us that the days are evil in Dalton, Georgia in 2022. God has actually sent his church into the world for evil days. God sent his son to die for believers that, that would commit to him, be resurrected in a new life to him, and be sent out to live in the midst of evil days. So never be surprised to be living in evil days. The scriptures prepare us for that. Uh, verse 18, do not get drunk with one, oh, sorry, I skipped 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, as I said, our focus here is going to be on 19 and 20, but I want to talk about the paragraph here. The paragraph gives us wisdom for living. It says, don't walk unwise, but walk wise. Don't live foolishly, but walk in a way that your life honors the Christ that has saved you. And here are some ways that you do it. Now, here's where this passage gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. Because this passage, there's a really powerful a command to sing. There's a really powerful instruction that the church, we must sing together and encourage one another in our songs. But it is stuck in a really difficult sandwich. And the sandwich is, distract, is distracting. Because when you read this passage, especially if I read one more verse, you're going to have lots of other things on your mind. Think back to what I just read. Uh, verse verse uh, 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then, addressing one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Then you go down to verse 22, and what does verse 22 talk about? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So listen to me. We're here in Ephesians, 9, or Ephesians 5, 19, and 20, trying to talk about singing. And in verse 18, Paul's talking about alcohol. And in verse 22, he's talking about wives submitting to husbands. And that distracts a whole lot more people to, that want to talk about that kind of stuff than talk about singing in verse 19. And so that's why I say the singing command in verse 19 is in a distraction sandwich of alcohol and drunkenness and submission in marriage. And listen, those things are important. We need to be able to understand what Scripture is saying about those things. But our purpose for today is to encourage one another with singing. It's helpful to know that in an intensely practical passage in Scripture, uh, God affirms a couple of things. Number one, that he wants you to be led by the Spirit and not distracted by other substances. That's the heart of verse 18. And number 22, he wants you to live at peace in your marriage and understand his design for marriage. That's what he's getting at. So those are messages for another day, but I want to address it to say, this is why we ignore uh, 19 and 20 sometimes. Because we get distracted about talking about drunkenness. And then we get distracted talking about submission in marriage. But Paul is very clear about what he wants us to do to encourage each other in the gathering of the local church. Now, in 19 and 20, it, it looks like there's two different types of singing being commanded. Look at it carefully. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So the first half of verse 19 is one another. And there's three types of songs, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And then, the second half of verse 19 is the trajectory is to the Lord. You sing and make melody with, uh, with your heart. Now, I want you to see that there's not really a difference, I don't believe, in Paul's mind or in God's mind about what is a psalm, what is a hymn, what is a spiritual song. That list is there, three different versions of the same thing to be all-inclusive, whatever, whatever type of song that gives glory to God and encourages one another. But what you see is not two different commands, 
first sing to one another and then sing a different type of song to God, but actually two things that are accomplished in the same activity. Two things that are accomplished in the same activity as we gather together to sing. We, we do not just bring glory and honor to God. That's, in, that's inherent. But we also bring encouragement to one another. One of the things I've talked about all the time that we've been back there in the youth room is how fun it is to hear people singing. And being in close quarters, I remember somebody telling me very early on, saying, hey, we should just do this every Christmas so that we could sing Christmas carols in a tight setting and hear each other a lot better. And I said, that's great. And, and as we started to do that, you started to recognize that particularly in the 1030 service, you could hear people singing in that room because you're right next to them. And I said, as we get back to a bigger room, there's two solutions. And I, I'm a fan of both. Either we get more people in the room or we just sing louder. But there's something that was inherently encouraging about being in there and singing together. As we sung together and as you hear other people sing, recognizing not everybody sings great. And if you're sitting next to me, I'm sorry, but you might need to cover your ears some. You might want to sit next to somebody else. But there's still an encouragement in singing together. And this is, in fact, what God is telling us. Speaking in psalms and, and songs is the same as singing songs and making melody in verse 19. Paul's not referring to two different responses. Paul is referring to one activity that has two different purposes. Encouragement for one another and glory to God. But then in verse 20, he adds a different element to it. Verse 20 gives a third focus in that our our singing is giving thanks always and forever, or always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our focus this morning, three simple points. We sing out, we sing up, and we give thanks. We sing out to encourage one another. We sing up to bring glory to a God that deserves it, that is worthy of our praise and our singing. And our singing is meant to give thanks for all of the many gifts that he has, done, he has given to us. So first in singing out, I'm going to take you to another passage, Colossians 3, 16 and 17. In this, Paul writes to a different church. So when I say Paul, that's the Apostle Paul who wrote both of these letters. The letter to the Ephesians, from which we get Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, and the letter to the Colossians, from which we get Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Same guy wrote both of these under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, trying to encourage Christians in the ancient world in two different cities to live lives that honored Christ. And this is what he said to the church at Colossae. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It sounds familiar, right? It's remarkable how similar these two verses are. It's almost like Paul thought it was important to write it to two different churches. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so again, we have in, in view here this mutual instruction, edification, and exhortation, which takes place when, when songs are sung within the Christian community, when different people filled by the Spirit of God assemble in a place and sing songs, they encourage one another. And, and, and as we look at this, you remember that the same guy, Paul, he wrote another letter to a church in Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians 14, he deals with worship and he deals with this distraction that's happening within the church in Corinth. And one of, the, one of Paul's burdens in this chapter to the church in, in Corinth, in verse 14, is to encourage them not to create distractions in their worship. Because your worship, as you walk into the church, it's not about just you and God in your worship. Now that, that's, that's a little bit of a hard statement to swallow, right? When you walk into the church and worship... It is not just about you and your relationship to God, and therefore you do what feels comfortable to you, you do what feels right to you. But rather, in 1 Corinthians 14, what Paul is trying to tell the people, everybody else matters. We don't want confusion. We want God to receive the glory. 
And God doesn't receive glory in, great, in, in times of great confusion. So we want worship to be an encouragement to one another. And in order to do that, we eliminate the distractions that would come up. And so, as I said, I think we know this to be intuitively true. I think we know that when somebody is singing, well, okay, let me qualify my statement this way. One of two things happens. Sometimes when somebody comes in singing, you are encouraged. And sometimes you are super annoyed. And that's okay. Some of us have that reaction. Because singing needs to be done in the right context, with with the right attitude. And so I have this habit of walking into the office and screaming and singing. Because I do really think it's a beautiful morning and a beautiful day. And I feel like I need to come in and sing that as I walk into the office in the morning. But that doesn't always actually encourage people. It more just annoys people because they want to get their work done. But see... This is where, what, what, so we can joke about this, we can go overboard in our singing to try to encourage people, but when we know that singing is an important part of encouragement, here's what I want you to do. The next time you're at a kid's birthday party, I want you to watch the faces of not just the kid whose birthday it is, but the other kids that are singing. There's, there's a joy there. There's a joy in celebration. I mean, there's nothing like a, a, a little girl's face as all of her friends gather around to sing happy birthday. But the, but the thing about it is that same little girl is going to be just as excited when she's singing happy birthday to her other friends because it's a community experience. Now, here's what we know about this church. Everybody in here walked in with some hardship having been experienced this week. And and I don't have to know the particulars to speak with confidence on this issue. I don't have to know exactly what caused you stress, grief, frustration, or depression this week to know that it was something. That there was a hardship that was faced. And there was a hardship that at one point was was probably faced alone or maybe with a, a small group of people that left you in some level of despair, frustration, whatever it is. Everybody, listen guys, this is where we need to be together in the same room to just hash this stuff out and be honest about it. Everybody deals with stuff. Everybody struggles. Everybody experiences pain physically and everybody experiences pain emotionally. Everybody has questions. Everybody has doubts. Everybody has frustrations. And so everybody in this room walked in trying to forget about or put off something that happened this week. And now you're frustrated with me for even bringing it up again. But when we walk into a place carrying a burden, sometimes what we need is a good song. What we need is an encouragement from a brother or sister who can lift us up and help us. There's a reason that people love to sing around hospital beds. There's a reason that as we read stories of the great heroes of the faith and martyrs of the faith, we hear stories about people singing in prison and seeking to encourage each other with song. There is community found in singing and singing together. Paul knows it. He tells us. And church, if we want to continue to grow as Fellowship Bible Church and as individual believers, we kind of have to re-up to this. Make a new commitment not just to being together in the same place, it's a beautiful thing, but to celebrating together, to celebrating what Christ has done in Daniel and Mason as we did today, to celebrate what God has done in bringing us through a challenge, to encourage one another with the songs that we sing. But we gotta be careful here because our singing is not about us. And so I think the more neglected part of why we worship and sing is that horizontal part. But we gotta be clear here, that's not the only part. We also sing up, because the second half of verse 19 of Ephesians 5 tells us that our singing and making melody is the trajectory is to the Lord. We sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. And heart here doesn't just mean that you do it quietly in the stillness of your own heart. Heart actually means, in context, your whole being. 
And, and in fact, Jesus would say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's a good way to think about an application to this verse. Uh, this is not telling you that if you are singing in your heart and nobody hears it and it never comes out, then, then you're good. Actually, what this verse is telling you is that your heart should be flowing out in some way. And that, and that that should be an expression of worship to the Lord, to God himself. And so this is the tension of singing out and singing up. That you want to sing out so that other people can hear and be encouraged and sing up with you. But the goal is not performance for the sake of others. The goal is, is him. Is him receiving the glory. There was one time in my life when I thought it would be a really good idea to express my affections to Jess, my wife, out of some public display that caught her completely off guard. I thought it was a really great surprise. I still to this day think it was a really great surprise. I'm not sure she would share that because she, in the end, ended up being a little bit uh, embarrassed by the whole thing because here's what I did. Um, well, it starts with a mistake, as most of my stories do. It starts with one of my mistakes. Um, so I booked a trip to take the youth, when I was youth pastor here, um, to go on a mission trip that happened to take place during our anniversary. So as we celebrated our anniversary, we did so with um, some of our closest high school friends, as in they were in high school, we were married. And um, we were chaperoning this trip. Uh, we were serving in Cincinnati, and we were celebrating our anniversary with a whole bunch of teenagers. But I had a plan. And my plan was, I'm gonna surprise her, on uh, the banks of the Ohio River there. There's a, we were going out to this mall, we were having dinner, there's a beautiful area where you see the river, and I'm going to surprise her with two of our youth who are guitar players and singers, and I'm gonna have them play our song, and they're gonna surprise her in uh, Chasing Cars, Snow Patrol, if anybody wants to know. Um, they're gonna play our song on the, on the banks of the Ohio River, and Jess and I, we're just going to dance. We're just going to have a quiet moment. We're going to dance. They're going to be playing our song. It's going to be awesome. Um, I'm, I'm not sure she thought it was as awesome as I thought it was. <laughs> because there needs to be attention in private displays of affection and public displays of affection. And in that, um, so here's the, con you just couldn't write a better story. Um, because I planned out everything perfectly, including the fact that Eden was there, and Eden was very, very little, and Eden was strapped to Jess. So here, here's my big surprise. Jess is strapped to the front of Jess in one of those little uh, baby carrier things, and I'm like, surprise, now we're going to dance in front of all these teenagers because these two teenagers are singing to us right now, and she's like, there's a baby. Like, what, what am I supposed to do here? And I was like, I mean, I don't know. I guess we just dance and we sandwich the baby in between. And uh, Beverly Dixon saved me. She grabbed Eden for me and uh, we were able to dance awkwardly and she's laughing now, so I think it's okay now. Um, there was a little bit of risk in even telling the story. But the affection that we show has to be not just for the sake of a public display, I don't earn any points in my marriage because I publicly do something that's really impressive when privately I'm not loving my wife well and showing her that private affection. And so we take from that simple picture an idea of how we worship God. We don't worship God just when we're assembled together when everybody else can hear us singing because well, Psalms, or Ephesians 5.19 says we address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. No, no, no. We need a balance of both public worship, which encourages others and worships God, but also private worship, where we do sing quietly, where we do sing in the quietness of our own hearts or sing in the quietness of our own cars and we just belt it out when it's just us. I sound better that way, I promise. There's a balance in singing privately and publicly that we have to find. What if you don't like music? Well, I'll start with Martin Luther's take for those who don't like music. Martin Luther once said, a person who does not regard music as a marvelous creation of God must be a clodhopper. <laughs> I don't typically call my church members names, but that was Martin Luther. Luther said he should be permitted to hear nothing but the brain of donkeys and the grunting of hogs. 
One of my goals in life is to show, is to show more grace in interaction than Martin Luther. So I will not call you a clodhopper today. But I will say that there is something beautiful about God's good creation of music. It's something worth celebrating. And you may not prefer the types of songs that we sing together in worship. You may not prefer the types of songs that are popular with the majority of people. But I would encourage you to still find a way to, to seek through what, whatever convictions or whatever preferences you have with worship to still find a way to recognize the glory of God in the song. To recognize the meaning of what we are saying to the holy creator God. And it's not for our sake and for our preferences, but for the sake of who he is and what he has demonstrated. So when we sing, we sing out and we sing up and we give thanks. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because everything we own comes from him. Y'all, we talked about money last week. That's always awkward. But when we talk about money, it should, it should be a lot easier because we just recognize, hey, everything I have comes from God. Everything I own is given by him. Everything we have comes from him. Everything we've achieved has been empowered by him. Everything we love was ultimately crafted by him. And there's a reason that when we gather together, we opened this service with a statement of thanksgiving because he's good, he loves us, and he does good things for us. And the scriptures say that every good and perfect gift comes from him. And so we should be praising and we should be worshiping. But as we think about giving thanks, I want to talk about the language here in 19 and 20. In verse 19, we see that we are to make melody in our hearts to the Lord. That means the Lord Jesus. And yet in verse 20, we are to give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. And one of the things, I just as I was reading through this, I, it, this question came up that I've been asked so many times. And it's worth taking a little bit of time on a Sunday morning in a passage that addresses it to think through this question. People ask me, who am I supposed to pray to? Do I pray to God? Do I pray to Jesus? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? Do I pray to all three? Do I alternate God in one sentence, Jesus in another sentence, Spirit in another sentence? How, how do I do that? Or how do we do that in worship? Do we address the songs that we sing to God the Father, to Jesus the Son, to the Holy Spirit that empowers? How do we do that? Well, in Colossians, it's the same sort of parallel. In Col- the Colossians pas- passage in 3, 16 and 17, we see that singing should be addressed to God, but also to Jesus. And, and so much of the letters of the New Testament interchange our worship going to God the Father and Jesus the Son. And so as, as we near the end of this service, here's what I want to do. I want us to really get thinking about what it means to sing in worship to Father, Son, and Spirit. Because we sing to all three. In singing, we recognize the, the unity of the three persons of the Trinity, while we can also recognize the distinction of their roles in our salvation and in our lives of obedience. We can sing uh, to the Father and thank the Father. We can sing to the Son and thank the Son. We can even sing or pray to the Spirit in gratitude to the Spirit. And here's what that might look like. We praise the Father for his wisdom, his holiness, his justice, his mercy, his sovereignty, That the Father God is the one who controls everything in our lives and everything actually in the universe and maintains control over every circumstance of our life. And even when it feels like everything's spinning out of control, the scriptures tell us that God retains control. And God loves us and still is working for our good even in times of great crisis. So yeah, that sounds like something we should thank him for. That sounds like something we should worship. The one who created all things and sustains all things. Every beautiful thing you've ever seen with your eyes has been created by God. But then we don't just praise the Father, we praise the Son. We can praise the Son for his coming, his humbling himself, taking on the form of a servant. Because the Son of God became a man and he became a man for a specific purpose. And we are that purpose. 
We can thank him for humbling himself. We can thank him for his life of obedience. We can thank him for his vicarious death and resurrection because in his death, he took our sins upon himself and in his life, he won the victory for us. So yeah, we sing and praise to Jesus the Son, recognizing we have no hope of getting to the Holy Father without Jesus the Son. That's the gospel. When we praise the Son, we reflect the beauty of the gospel. And I've told you multiple times, we need never forget about the gospel to the point that we should be rehearsing it as often as we can, reminding ourselves, why am I a Christian? Why am I at peace with God? I could tell you right now that if you are at peace with God, there is only one way that you were able to get to that point of being at peace with God, and that is because Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, died for sinners And you joined the group of sinners that believed in him, that confessed your sin and gave your life to him. And in so doing, God gave you new life through Jesus, Father, Son, Spirit, all three working together for your salvation in that action where you are the one that is receiving the grace. And and it really feels like you're acting in faith, but even that faith that you're acting in is a gift from God. And as Daniel and and Mason came before us this morning, as I hear their stories, it is so clear to me that God drew them. And it took time. God drew them over time, step by step by step, to bring them to the point of confession and repentance of sin and belief in him. That's how one becomes a Christian. So if you're a Christian today, that's your story. If it's not your story, you haven't confessed of your sin, given your life to Christ, entrusted in his sacrifice and new life, then you have not yet become a Christian and a part of his family. So should we praise the Son for that? Absolutely. We praise the Father, we praise the Son, and we praise the Spirit for his presence, because he's literally here. He's literally here with us right now. He's literally here here with us as, as much as you can look at the person next to you and see their physical appearance, the Spirit is just as present in this room as the person sitting next to you is. But the crazy thing is, He's also just as present with you when you're all by yourself in your room. Because Christ, the Son of God, has died so that we could have life, and then He gave us His Spirit. So we praise the Spirit for His presence his comfort, his conviction, and his power to live life. And so our singing, it's not about us. It's about him, but it, it can be an incredible encouragement to everybody else. So we'll say it simply as the band comes up again, because we're going to give you one more chance to sing today. We'll say it real, real simply. When we gather together, our purpose in singing is to sing out so that everyone in this room, listen, this is the goal. We got one more song. We got one more chance to do this. Everyone in this room leaves encouraged and believing that Jesus really is who he said he is. And Jesus really did die for sins and was resurrected for us. But we sing up, recognizing that he deserves the glory. That we're not gathered here for ourselves. We're gathered here for him to give him the glory first of all. And we sing because, man, do we have a lot to be thankful for. So join us. Stand and sing with us as we worship. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt Praise the
and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, for even in your suffering, you saw to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, you died. Oh, praise the Father, we do give you all the glory. Father, you deserve so much more than we could ever do. So much more than we could ever give in songs, in praises, in obedience. You're worthy of it all. And yet you, you take pleasure in who we are, not because of what we have done, but because of who you have made us and remade us to be. So, Father, we want to live our lives for your glory. Send us out today for your glory. We want to be divine ambassadors of an eternal kingdom. We want to be used by you to spread your message and your glory in all nations. And so, Father, we go out proclaiming your worth because some people, some people still don't know your worth. And so keep our mouths from being silent about the beauty and glory of who you are. Because there are more worshipers out there that don't yet know you, that have not yet conceived of the fullness of your beauty and glory. And so we proclaim the truth of who you are, Father, Son, and Spirit, so that the world may know and see, believe, and receive new life. So, oh, Father, we thank you and praise you. Jesus, we are here because of you and what you have done. We praise you for your victory that you have given us in the life that you have given us. Spirit, we praise you for being here. And now we ask, empower us as we go. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Now receive the blessing.
that can only come from the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace.